What's up, everyone? Barton Ramsey here from The Lab Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in yet again. We took a little bit of a hiatus through the holidays. I certainly hope that you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's time with your family. Hope you guys are having or had an excellent waterfowl season. And I really appreciate you guys listening more than I can say. On this episode, I'm going to sit down and chat with one of my best friends, Miles Durham. Miles has been training dogs for about eight years. He's one of the original CGA members who took it to a whole different level and trains professionally now as a side gig, runs an outpost for Southern Oak Kennels, and uh, is just an all-around great human being. We're going to talk about all things balancing work, life, dog training, kids, uh, training dogs, how often what that looks like, reading dogs, uh, hunting with dogs, all sorts of fun stuff. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Hey, if you do enjoy the Lab Podcast and you are not already a member of Cornerstone Gundog Academy, I can't encourage you enough to please go and check it out. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a better, more well-rounded dog trainer and dog handler in the field, Cornerstone Gundog Academy is the path to doing just that. So without any further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with my friend, Miles Durham. Welcome to The Lab, a Cornerstone Gundog Academy podcast focused on all things gun dogs, good times, and the great outdoors. I'm your host, Barton Ramsey. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the lab. I've got my man, Miles Durham, on here. For those of you who don't know Miles, he lives in Kentucky, Madisonville, Kentucky. Actually, it's not Madisonville anymore. It's different in that he just moved and is moving again. So somewhere near Madisonville, Kentucky, and uh, runs the Fox Ridge outpost of Southern Oak Kennels, which we'll get into, uh, and is a fantastic Dog trainer, great human being, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, and call him all the time, our permanent chaperone. <laughs> He's the <laughs> one that often keeps us in line. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. I told you, actually paused you before we recorded, that it's been a very long day. And uh, it's very much uh, like a first world probs, but I've been traveling, duck hunting. And oh, yeah. got home and I was like, I'm about to you know, spend this day helping my wife every way I can. And uh, she had a meeting this morning. I took the kids to eat breakfast. They chose Waffle House, which is a solid choice. Um, and ran all the errands I needed to run. Got home and I had to take my youngest daughter, Miriam, to Memphis for an uh, ophthalmology appointment, eye doctor appointment. I volunteered to do that, take one for the team. It's a miserable trip to downtown Memphis. The, it's You get lost in the it's Hamilton Eye Institute. Anyway, I asked Bethany if I could take her new Tahoe because it gets 30 miles a gallon. And uh, she said yes. She had all kinds of things to do this afternoon. Counseling appointment, horseback, jiu-jitsu for the kids, all of it. I got halfway to Memphis and I had the key fob for the Ram. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's tough that is, that's a quick way to to go from husband who's saving the day to husband who has completely ruined the day. Like so, great, inten- great intentions from the get go. Just <sighs> it was rough. <laughs> so you'll appreciate this, Miles, and those of you who have been to Southern Oak Kennels or hung out around here, um, 
or even interacted with him on Facebook will appreciate this. My man Chris stepped up and loaned his vehicle, his new uh, SUV, to Bethany. So the horseback happened. Her appointment was actually an hour later than she thought. It was just one of those days where it started good and then it just went to like, oh man, everything. Like even to the point where I went to a, a KFC Taco Bell. I don't know how you go, Kentucky Fried Bell, Taco Hut. Uh, anyway, uh, and I sat in the line to order for like 20 minutes just waiting. I was stuck in the line. And finally, this guy walks up and knocks on my window and he was like, hey man, we're not going to be open for like an hour. <laughs> It's 5.30 p.m. And I was like, oh, this this actually really fits my day, man. <laughs> not your, not, your <laughs> not my day. So we all, we all have them. We do. It's, it's uh, yeah, decently common. So anyway, um, for those of us listening, those of them listening out there who don't know who you are, I'd love for you just to give the brief rundown of what you do outside of dogs because – uh, you have a big boy job, and I do think there are a lot of people inside Cornerstone who, you know, they have aspirations to train dogs, their own dog, and then maybe even more than just their own dog. And they right. also have a job. And I'd love it. One of the things that piqued my interest about you having on here is to talk about that balance because you've done it really well. And it's not easy, especially with a growing family and all that. So tell us a little bit about what you do day in and day out, uh, aside from Labrador retrievers. Right. So my most important job, and this is kind of growing. And like, like you said, is I am a husband and, um, father of two little girls and they're four and one. And man, it's, uh, I tell everybody's best job I've ever had. And I mean that it's, it's a blast every day's something new. It's a new challenge or new milestone. And it's, um, most rewarding job I've ever had for sure. My day job is an orthopedic PA. Uh, it's an orthopedic physician assistant. I am in clinic three days a week, seeing about 35 to 40 patients a day. And then I'm in surgery, helping one of our surgeons uh, one day a week, doing four or five total joint replacements a day. And um, man, between work, like is my day job, between Labradors uh, is my what I call my second job, and then family. It has been a challenge. I mean, it's, it's challenging to balance. I feel like that those three specifically. Um, I started training Labradors before I started growing a family. So you know, I was working a big boy job, training Labradors um, on the side, and having some success at it. And then we decided decided we decided to start having a family and growing a family and that was a whole new challenge in itself. And, um, not, I have not mastered it by any means. If think if you ask my wife, there's some days I, I could really work on it. Right. But I feel like I'm getting better and better. And it's just ultimately setting your priorities straight. Um, and realizing, Hey, you know what? Something's going to have to give a little bit to, to make something else work. Yeah. That's so. a great point. And I've, I, one of my mentors in college taught me that, you know, Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to a lot of things. Exactly. And with your schedule, that can be that can be very difficult. And we have a lot of similarities in that, you know, when I when I started training and started producing puppies and then started even started Cornerstone, really, I had a full time gig. And yeah. we I did I did start training dogs right when I think right before we 
had Naomi. So it was a little different. You, I don't think you had any. I didn't. No, yeah, I was, it we, was four. So I, and, um, man, I felt like I had all the time in the world. <laughs> mm. I really, even after a, you know, full-time job, I, uh, you know, I started with doc seven years ago. Now it's crazy to think about, but, um, yeah, when, when it was just he and I, man, I felt like there, there, I mean, there was more than enough time in the day. Now I'm searching for minutes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that time change is brutal. I'm yeah. constantly pulling for that thing to just go back to the, the fallback time or the, yes. I'm sorry, the spring forward time, the, the summertime all the time. Man, that'd be great. Extra hours sleep in the morning for duck hunting too. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah. No kidding. I just, it's depressing, man. Getting home. You know, I don't, I don't take client dogs during the winter. One, I want to duck hunt, but two, it's not fair because of the time change, but, um, I don't like getting home at five o'clock and it being dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. When are you going to find time to do it? I mean, truthfully, if you're training, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, what, what are your thoughts on this? We've talked about it a few times, but if you've got a dog, a young dog, let's say, um, well, let's say your pup, Chili, uh, how old's Chili right now? Chili is about 14 months old. Oh, never mind. She's way older than I thought. God, about, time flies. What about, what about boss? Boss. That's it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what? Five, six months, seven five, months, five, five months. months. Okay. So he's an import puppy um, that you, you know, you're going to work him and just, it's one of those. We'll see. Um, right. Maybe he's right. Project. great. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we'll see how he is. We, and we have learned for those of you, there's, there are several people I think that listen to this who are into uh, puppies and importing and, you know, people get, I always am a little turned off when someone is buying a puppy for the sake of breeding. And I'm like, Hey, listen, I've been down this road. You should buy a puppy for the sake of just seeing how it turns out <laughs> because man, that was, yeah, that was the sole purpose of, of boss. Right. I mean, yeah. no a litter and he got the, the litter mate to, uh, to boss, but so we imported a male and female puppy and man, it, yeah, I've got high hopes for him. Right. But I told my wife when we bought him, you know, this is a, a year project and we'll evaluate him at that point. And if he needs to move on down the road, he'll move on, but we're going to be pretty picky. Yeah. So a dog like boss, how, if you, I mean, if you said, Hey, I'm about to dig in and I'm going to make some real progress with boss. And my right. goal is to have him ready to hunt, uh, by next September, uh, maybe right. November. How many days a week would you think is required, uh, to make that progress as far as being out and, and training? Right. I think you, I think it's good to do something a little bit every day. And, and when I say something, that doesn't mean going out and doing a setup or going out and running drills, right? Training can be obedience during feed or airing or, you know, obedience inside on a place. I mean, that's, people don't realize just because there's not a, a, a bumper or, or a whistle involved or a gun or a launcher that, you know, you can still train a dog. Um, I, I laugh in our house, but we have said it all the time to Taylor, but training is 24 seven here. You know, mm -hmm. we're holding the dog to a certain standard throughout the day. Right. And that means when the dog's sitting in the kennel outside and a prime example, if the dog's barking, well, that's, you know what, we're going to correct that. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's training. Um, I personally think uh, I've been asked this a lot. I think there's a fine balance between too much and too little mm -hmm. uh, in an ideal world. I think you train the dog four to five days a week. 
um, as far as going out and running a drill. And that can be 20 minutes a day, right? It doesn't have to be significant, but yeah. actually, you know, setting aside time to uh, devote your, your sole attention on that dog and in that 20 minutes, because I do know people and I've seen dogs uh, that I feel are overtrained, right? And they just stop enjoying it. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, too, you and I've had this conversation a lot and dogs are like humans. Everybody responds to, to certain scenarios and certain stimuluses differently. And I think dogs are the exact same way. So you've got some dogs, I've trained some dogs that can go six or seven days a week if I allowed it. Right. And I've got some dogs that really thrive off two to three days a week, mm. you know, that, that yeah. do great when, when we set up, do a training two or three days a week. And if I, over if I do too much with those certain dogs that like the two to three days a week, you can see them start disliking life a little bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's an excellent, just, uh, I'm going to chase that rabbit for just a second. What are the, what are the things like you, what do you see that you think, Oh man, I think, I think I'm working this dog too much. Yeah. Just mainly their overall attitude. When I, when I get them out of the kennel, mm-hmm. you know, they have, one, are they happy to see me? Two, are they looking for a play stand or looking for a bumper to pick up? Are they excited to work is the main thing. Um, you know, when when some dogs are being pushed, they, I don't want to say shut down because I'd, I'd like to say I get to it before that point. But um, you can tell that some of them just aren't enjoying the process. You want, you want it to be fun. You don't want anything to be a negative experience for them during the training process. Right. And, um, that's why I think, you know, going back to your question, I think there is, I think on average four to five days a week is great. I mean, most arrive with that. Like I said, there are, there's exceptions on each end. Um, but if, if I had to give an answer, that's it. Yeah. I love that. I agree. Um, let's go backwards. So you mentioned doc. Yeah. You bought doc from me. It's funny. I, so a lot of people ask about Southern Oak kennels and how our, our campuses come to be and whatnot. And uh, some people to message and they have great intentions. And the question is like, Hey, I want to, you know, what's it cost for me to become a location? And I'm like, look, it's never for sale. It's always this organic friendship right. model where it just happens. Well, yeah. yeah. Yours is hilarious. Cause you guys bought a pup from us, Archie mm-hmm. and Angie, Archie, right? Max. No. Angie, yeah. Max and Angie. That's right. Yeah, I went way back there. Yeah, I got a message from a lady who has an Archie and Angie pup right now who's eight. That's the year before. Yeah. So, um, you guys bought that puppy from us and came down, and you, we were moving. Yeah, we were moving. And for those that don't know, I'm I moved houses a few times as as Southern Oak Kennels grew, and the last house I was in before this is where we started. In fact, the, the photos from the beginning of Cornerstone were taken in the front pond of this house. And I sold it. I moved to Oklahoma where a lot of you've seen the summit and the big barn and all that, the old lodge. Well, we were moving there and the lodge was a dilapidated, like gross barn. Um, But you, you came down and helped me move. Like when I first met you uh, a little bit of stuff and I was moving my motorcycle. Do you remember that? And, I couldn't, I couldn't get it cranked. The battery was dead. My son had climbed up on it, turned the key on, let the battery run dead. Could not get it cranked. I was trying everything because my only route to my new house, which is like a 45 minute drive was to ride with your wife who I had never met before. And you needed to get your motorcycle to the new house. 
and Taylor and I showed up. I think it was that the weekend to pick up Doc or yeah. before. Yeah, it was maybe the yeah. weekend to get him. Yeah, y'all it, came early. Yeah, and so we we were we pulled up to your old house. That's where you told us to meet you because you were packing stuff up, things like that. And you said, "Hey, look, you know what? I need to get my my motorcycle to the to the new house. Is there any way you could drive my truck? Let Taylor drive y'all's truck, and then I'll drive the motorcycle. And we can all three go just separately. Just kind of save me a trip." And I said, "Yeah, man, absolutely." So I jump in. The best part is I jump in your truck and I'm gone. You give me mm-hmm. the address, and I'm rolling. See ya. And um, Taylor pulls out behind me, and then I think she calls me, or maybe you call me. Yeah, you call me. Not two minutes later, you say, "Hey, yeah, uh, we got a problem." Yeah. <laughs> so I get in your wife's, your truck with your wife driving, yep. and I was like, hey, "It's you." Hey, yeah. it's nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> Thanks for buying a dog from us. Oh man, long time ago. So yeah, a lot, yeah. A lot has happened since then, and and Doc yeah. was sort of your first and. Um, you were kind of getting into it and there's a lot that goes into that backstory, but, um, I would love to, to hear just about doc for everybody. And like, truthfully, he's a great dog. Uh, he's fun. You're hunting him a lot this year. Cause he's, he's on the, the backside of the slope. I'd, I'd say he's really kind of in his prime and probably easier than ever. Um, oh, yeah. what kind of dog was doc to train? And if you're being really honest, what are some either mistakes or some things you didn't know to do back then that have, have probably cost you in the long run, being that it was your first dog. Cause I have those with Maggie for sure. And I know oh, you yeah. have some with doc. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got doc in, I guess it, he was born in 2016. We picked him up early 2017. I think it was February or something along those lines. So, um, man, when we got him, you tell you know, correct me if I'm wrong, make sure I have my dates right. But it wasn't long after that where Cornerstone launched. We had the right. mem- the, f- the Founders Club was in existence. The right. public launch was April of 17. You picked up Doc right. in mid February of 17. Right, right. Yeah. yeah there, so, I mean, like five weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. So, from a training perspective, I, you know, I tell everybody, I, they ask how I get into dogs. And, and realistically, I grew up hunting, grew up around dogs. But, um, Man, I, I went to school. I played college uh, soccer, then went to grad school to become an orthopedic PA. And so my time during those like school years was just full. I mean, nonstop work, whether it was sports or or books or whatever it may be. Right? I just and then when I got a job, Taylor and I got married and, and got out and bought a house. And and I would come home from work, and literally I found myself during the summer months like mowing my yard two or three times a week out of boredom. Like (laughs) I go from six or seven years where my life is just nonstop planned from pretty much the time I get up to, you know, the time I go to sleep to having all this extra time. And I knew you and I talked in 2014 or 2015, um, about getting a dog and, um, man, I, I, I knew, it's something I wanted to do and wanted to get involved in and I had a passion for. And so when I got doc, I was doing a lot of research on the front end as far as resources for training. And, um, Cornerstone was definitely one of those resources. And, but I, I, to be upfront and honest, I I pulled information from a lot of different resources and I would recommend everybody do that because you got to find what works for you. But I would argue, I would say that with doc, I based my training program around Cornerstone. And I didn't go for it, you know, step by step, but it was very close. 
And um, from the get-go, man, he was a really, really smart puppy. I knew his mom and dad really well. Honestly, no offense to Max, his, his sire, but I was a huge Angie fan, mm-hmm. right? Anybody, anybody that has been around Angie or knew of Angie, it's hard not to like her. Um, just a, a fun little dog on the, on the softer side, but just loved game, wild game, whatever, you know, it didn't matter what it was, but she was very birdie um, and loved to hunt. But um, so throughout the training process with Doc, to say he was uh, stubborn would probably be an under, right? Yeah. You had to probably under- significantly be an, an under, understatement, I think pleasure of training his dad and i think uh they are about as similar as they come when it comes to just general attitude right great dogs to be around he absolutely is awesome with my girls and my family and you know never met a stranger i'll tell everybody if you know if he's sitting on his place board at night sleeping when we're in a, in a you know burglar breaks in we're screwed yeah you know he <laughs> bur- yeah it clicks and 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 go be good to go but um you know, from a training perspective, we worked through Cornerstone and a couple other programs. Um, like I said, kind of a, a compilation of, of information and um, had some success, but I had some hiccups too. You know, as far as I think what, what was hard for me is Doc doesn't never had a, a strong desire to please at in certain situations, right? And, and I'll explain that by, you know, if, if, Doc knew or smelt something or knew he thought where the bird was going to be. He was, he wanted to check that out first. Right. And so, um, early on, that was a bit of a struggle, but he, he picked up everything pretty quick. What I didn't realize is some of that was at his own, you know, at his own expense, as far as he, he really enjoyed training and hunting, but not as much to please me, but he enjoyed it himself. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, we've talked about this. There's like, oh, yeah. there's like drive. Yeah. There's dogs that have drive as most people would. I mean, drive to go like drive to work. Um, mm-hmm. There's dogs that are really gamey. Like his mom, like just yeah. absolutely shreds an area. And then there's yeah, dogs that have desire to please, like massive yeah. desire to please. It's very, yeah. very rare that you find one that has a high, high level of of all of those yeah. things. I know he definitely can. has more. Yeah. Yeah. He's I more of the drive to go. Yeah. So I my ex, I actually had this conversation with a client the other day and, and gave that, you know, you and I have talked about that so many times, but in like, if you just break it down to the very guts of dogs in my opinion to simplify it you like you said you have i'm acting like people can see my hands but they can't but you have a dog with really high drive and low desire to please or or sometimes you have a dog that's very has a strong desire to please but a lower drive not saying they don't have a drive but lower um in my eight seven or eight years of dog training there's been a small handful that I've seen with both of, of equal value. Uh, Doc definitely did not have both of equal value. It still doesn't, you know, love him to death. He's, he's my best buddy, but his drive and, and desire to be what I call self-employed sometimes outweighed his desire to please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's for sure. I, I think if we ever had, if he and I ever had 
if we ever butted heads during training, that was the root cause. Yeah. If, if you just break it down, it was his desire to please was not near as strong as his desire to just, Hey, I'm going to find it. Don't worry. I got this, you know? And, and that was coming from after seeing his mom who is so soft and yeah. just literally just one of the sweetest, like if she thought she hurt your feelings, it was the, the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. And she had a massive, um, she was very, very gamey, mm-hmm. but she was not like the most driven. Like she was, t- I, n- I never worried about her breaking or right. her blowing off a whistle. <laughs> you know, she was just always compliant. She went very fast. And I think people confuse drive with speed. Um, yeah. She was they very don't. fast, but I think she was fast because she just wanted to please you. Like she wanted to get out there and get back as soon as she came back just as hard as she went out. And uh, yeah, drive uh, and drive and speed sometimes can correlate, but yeah, there are plenty of uh, soft dogs that are very willing to please that still run hard. Yeah. Right? They run. But like you said, I think it's instead of the, the desire to get the bird, it's more the desire to get the bird and get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Doc's a fun dog to watch. I've seen. <laughs> You've seen the good, the bad, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for those that don't know the history, I mean, I had Doc's sire. I, I bought him. He's a field trial winner. I bought him to sell him. And I really liked him a lot. And I was like, oh, I might keep this dog. And then I let Bill Wilroth hunt him on the grind. And <laughs> I mean, the dog pulled off some retrieves that I was. One of them, actually, I was at a training day with Josh and Keith right when we first started talking about doing Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy. This would be probably 2015. And uh, he had a blind retrieve that he, it was just one of those days where he was, he was on, you know, Oh yeah. but anyone yeah. who trained with me between two, 2015 and 2018, maybe 17, <laughs> especially after he came back from bill. I love bill. I'm, I'm going to be with bill next week. And he would, yeah. bill would say things like, man, I didn't even have to use a whistle half the season. I yeah. just let him go, and I was like, "Oh boy, that's yeah. not good." So, getting that dog back on a whistle and and primed up after the season. I mean, I went. I mean, just I learned a bunch about training dogs and myself from that dog. And I think back to those times now because I'm at a place in my life. I've I've said this in the podcast before. I'm just really not going to let a dog ruin my day. Yeah, it's very rare. I think we can attribute facts. Yeah, a right. lot of that comes from Max because he ruined a lot of days. I'm just saying, like, I mean, he, he, one could say he taught you some patience. <laughs> Trial Big by time. fire. Trial by yeah. fire. But- yeah. Well, our buddy Corey Wages was over here the other day and the TV was on an old episode of The Grind. And someone in here, it was a puppy day, and someone was like, What dog is that? And I was like, That's Max, Big Max. And I said, Man, I love that dog. And then Corey waited like 10 seconds. And then he goes, sometimes you really couldn't tell. <laughs> it was the perfect Corey comment, man. It got, it got me really good. It's timing. Like, you know what? That wouldn't have been near as good of a comment if he did it, if he said it right after. But yeah. The 10 seconds, yeah. Oh. That's so, Corey. Yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. Human. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, moving back to Doc, we started, uh, running hunt test when he was over a year old and I actually jumped straight into seasoned 
uh, with him. We did the UKC stuff um, and jumped into season. Actually failed our first test. And it was 100% my fault uh, because I hadn't had a lot of experience in hut tests and um, still remember that test like to this day. Most arguably, it, no, I, I will say this. It's the most nervous I've ever been. Dang. In a se- season hunt Big test. statement. And I'm not, yeah, and I'm not, by no means am I I'm bragging or big headed, but I've, I've been in a lot of big events as far as whether that's soccer or whether that's boards for, you know, grad school or whatever it may be. Yeah. Nothing touched that. And, um, it didn't help that there was about 30 people watching, but it seemed about three, like 300, you know? Um, but we, uh, we, we got through that day and got a pass and then got, you know, three more passes after that and got our season title and, and worked our way up and ended up getting a, uh, hunt retriever champion title uh, when he was two. So, um, a little over two, but man, when I tell everybody about him nowadays, you know, he's like you said, he's seven, he's seen a lot. He's picked up thousands of birds, um, from here or Kansas when we're out there. But um, he is a marking fool. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, I don't, I don't think I had. I think maybe I handled him on one mark in a hunt test, and that was on his title run because I was a little nervous and I wanted to make sure he got mm-hmm. it. It's literally yeah. last. I was like, no, we're we're going to just make sure this this happens. But um, if Doc went out on a test, or um, it it was one thousand percent on the blind, and it was what we talked yeah. about earlier, he liked to be a little self employed. Yeah, man, that's such a great point. I mean, uh, I've had Clark on, and Clark was here the other night, and we've we've talked a lot about hunt tests, and and yeah. I've learned a lot the last year from from working on the hunt test guide. Yeah. And man, yeah. I've seen these dogs, and I know it's like, all right, the ones that are ultra confident, that are they're, driven, they're going out on the blind. They're feeling and themselves. Those yes. the marks. They're and, they're looking at those like, hey, yeah, that's I got that. Yeah, and the ones that are, yeah, you know, little need a little motivation. Maybe they're lacking a little confidence. They're going to miss those marks. You know, they're going to miss. They're not going to look. They're going to, yeah, they're not going to make the area. They're going to get. That's, I, yeah, and the more dogs I run in hunt tests, and I've run quite a few at this point. But you know what I've what I noticed early on, and it kind of and it allowed me to kind of take a step back and look at training a little differently, right? <laughs> but those guys that were bringing fifteen or you know twelve dogs to a hunt test. Right, the the Clarks or the you know Tyler Patterson's an example. I got to watch him a lot. Um, Jimmy Rogers is up here. I've watched him a lot, but a lot a lot of times that when they went out, it was on the marks. Right, their dogs were crazy under good control. Right, and I mean it, it, on blinds. I mean pretty much when they made it to the blinds, the test was over. Mm. You know that, and so you know one I, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what am I doing differently in training? Right. But I think looking back and being reflective, you know, and having quite a few dogs under my belt now, but it's, I think that was more doc, you know, that Mm -hmm. was doc specific, meaning he's just a really, he is, it still is man at at seven. There's not many birds that I lose when we're hunting. Sure. Marking them. Right. I mean, he, in, in, um, you know, every now and then the dog will still decide, he wants to, he wants to do his own thing. And, but that part of me did when, when he does that now, yeah, there's 
like you said, there was a lot of frustration early on. Now I just kind of smile and laugh it off. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier when you take that approach. Oh, I mean, it doesn't ruin your day. Yeah. I've had dogs ruin uh, an evening at the house with lots of people. I just, I I had, and I, and I had to learn, I learned from people, but way better than me. Um, that just, I was too emotionally invested. Yeah. Well, you know what, you know, what really allowed me to take that mindset and it was by experience, right? It's not, I don't, I don't know everything with dog training or anything like that, but I do know what I've messed up on. Mm. (laughs) And, and one thing that allowed me to be reflective on my attitude towards doc or dogs that weren't doing what I asked them to do. Right. Was I would get really frustrated with a dog like doc uh, during a training session because he'd blow me off or whatever. I, I'm okay if a dog doesn't know what to do and they mess up, right? I can teach them that. And, and I don't think a dog needs to be punished or I shouldn't get frustrated because they don't know what to do, right? But if they know what to do and they're intentionally making a decision to not do what you ask, right? Yeah. Then, then there's a time for correction. Early on, I would get pretty frustrated during that time, right? Because, you know, and, and what I was finding though, Barton, was that that frustration was carrying over to the next dog on the trailer. Or the next mm. dog, right? So you know this dog, and I can I, we'll we'll give a background on her. But I would run Doc as a test dog or or whatever it may be in a setup in a training one night, and he may blow me off one time or twice, right? And I get frustrated, and heart rate would increase, right? I get a little frustrated. That didn't affect Doc whatsoever. Doc was like, yeah, what? You know, same you know same song, different verse, right? Been here, done that. <laughs> you, I, you know. But so I put him up after we, we had a little chat and, um, then I'd get pin out. I knew I was about to say then pin. Yeah. Who pin is if we're going back to that, the two style of dogs, right? Crazy desire to please. I mean, that dog, if she thought she was doing something wrong, right. I mean, she would just almost melt with me, right? Like, mm. okay, you look so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it was my my attitude um, and frustration with Doc was carrying over to Pin or other dogs on the trailer, right? And that was negatively impacting her training session, right? And it took several of those instances for me to be like, you know, what? A, okay, here's what's going on, and finally putting it all together, right? She's she's shutting down, not wanting to work with me. She's making mistakes that she usually never makes, but it starts with my attitude getting her off the trailer. Right. Um, I heard a story and I can't remember who, I think it was on a podcast, right. But it's a, it's a prime example of what I'm talking about. Guy running the nationals, um, field trial nationals taking, you know, I don't know how many dogs he had multiple dogs on a trailer, right. But his first dog went out, arguably one of his best dogs went out and, um, he was, I mean, noticeably, and, you know, arguably rightfully so frustrated. And then he went and got another dog. That dog went out. Right. Went and got another dog. That dog went out. And this guy's, and he was a big, he was a big time trainer and had, and had a lot of success. Somebody stopped this guy on the way back from his third dog and said, Hey, you need to stop. You need to take a step back because you're about to ruin the rest of those dogs on that trailer. I say ruin, I say ruin you're going to be detrimental to their chances. You need to take mm. a step back and take a breath. Right. And I don't think people realize 
you know, I think, like I said earlier, training starts when you get them out of the kennel yeah. or the trailer, right? I mean, they're, they're reading you just like you're reading them right away. Yeah. And um, your attitude that you take during those first 10, 15 seconds could very well determine how the next 30 minutes goes. Man, I'm going to take that one level deeper because I think that's, I mean, arguably one of the most important things that's been said on any episode of this podcast. So even with your children, oh I mean, gosh, it was a tough yeah. day today. And I came home and I, I said a few things to the kids and Noah, <laughs> you've been around a lot. Oh yeah. He looks at me and he goes, you okay, dad? And I looked at him and I was like, yeah. And he goes like, you sure you're not a little stressed? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I actually I am a little stressed. You're right. You know, and he's, he's, you know, about to be, 11, you know, and a real smart aleck. Um, but I, but he was right. And dogs, dogs can't speak to us, right? Not like that, but they can with their body language. And I'm telling you right now, and you, you've seen it. I can have this podcast with you and it can go great. And I can be in a great mood. And I walk out to my kennels and my dogs, honestly, half of them twig (laughs) that they're going to be bouncing five feet in the air quietly but bouncing like i can't wait to get out yeah i can i can be in a really bad mood because it was a rough day and walk out there and not even say a word not a word just be in a bad mood and they will be sitting just sitting looking at me like oh shoot this isn't fun and it's not i don't even get on to half of them i never i mean half of them never get in trouble for anything at all it's just they know, and they have a wicked sense of that stuff, more so than humans. They know. And so for those of you listening who may not have more than one dog, maybe you are you're you have one dog that you drive to the field and do all the setup and all the work to do drills. Um, we've been there. Miles has been there with Doc. I've been there with Ruger and then Maggie and several others where it was the only dog I was training. It can be work frustration marriage frustration because your spouse took the key fob. I mean, whatever it is that is causing that frustration, I promise you it runs down the lead. Your dogs will know what's going on and uh, it can have far more of an impact. So I've tried really hard to fake it. Even if I'm in a bad mood, I walk out to my kennels and I'm like, Hey boys. And they know, you know, they know. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's it's uh it's definitely an, an impactful thing on your dogs your your attitude toward all of it and when you decide just to not let them make you mad it's much better much much better gosh i mean the training's so much better they progress so much quicker everybody's everybody's happier i mean it really is it, it I, I challenge everybody everybody working with a dog listening to this podcast not listening to this podcast i mean that would be my challenge to anyone is, Hey, you know what? Really focus on your attitude mm. before you train. You know, I think people ask me all the time, well, do you, could, do you think I could train a dog? I said, absolutely. I think anybody can train a dog. That doesn't mean anybody can train one. Well, mm. right. I think attitude, not, not their knowledge of drills or whatever it may be. I think attitude and reading a dog. And I think those go hand in hand, right. Um, because the dog's reading you as well. That that that's the difference maker between people and, and dog training. I mean, I'll probably catch heat for saying this, but honestly, that's one of the hardest things about having Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 
is, you know, between Josh Parvin and myself, we've, we've given everything. I mean, hours. if you're, if you're listening to this and you haven't been inside Cornerstone, I mean, look, there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, how many videos and this and that we have a lot. There's a, I mean, I don't even want to say how many, but it's hours and hours and hours. And when you're comparing Cornerstone to some of the other programs out there, you you should just do a little digging and find out how many how many videos are inside Cornerstone Gundog Academy. We can do all that, and we have a whole module on how your dog learns that covers reading your dog. It covers everything, all of that. That is the one thing that I think is for some people the hardest thing to teach is how to read a dog and how to control your own attitude. And so one of the best things that that happens is people get frustrated and and, and we always tell them, okay, go record yourself, record the the problem and send it in. And look, honestly, that is a very help. If you're listening to this podcast and you're having training issues, record yourself, watch it back yourself. You'll probably find the answer yourself. If you're bold enough, yeah. A very safe place to post it is in the CGA members group because that, that's a very positive place. People, people in there won't rag on you. Um, but, you know, record yourself and watch it. And nine times out of ten, we're like, hey, look, here's the problem. It's You're not reading the dog here. Your timing is off. And those are hard things to teach. We can teach them, but it, it, it takes time. You know, I can teach anyone what walking baseball is. You know, yeah. it's just geometry, you know, whatever. But, hey, you... You, you you gave that cast, the dog went the wrong way, and from then for the next two minutes, you had the complete inappropriate response. Right. You know, you blew the whistle instead of said no. You cast it too quickly. You, you know, all those things. That's the stuff where it's like, ah, it is a journey, and sometimes it takes a lot of dogs. I mean, that's – look, if, if you train Doc until he was fully finished, and then you got one more dog and train that one until it was fully finished, and then one more dog – until that was fully finished, we'd probably be on your fourth dog right now. I don't even know how many dogs you've trained. It's a lot. I haven't counted, but it's a good amount. Yeah. Dozens. And you're part-time and you balance wife, two kids, youngsters, full-time career and dog training. And you've, I mean, you, how many dogs did you put at HRCH on this year? Four? Four this fall. Yeah. Four this yeah. past And fall. the only four you ran. So it's quite an accomplishment. And I say that to say the amount of time you've spent at the line with a dog. This is, this is something I try to drill home with people as much as I can, you know, being a pro trainer or even a part-time pro trainer or an amateur trainer who takes on a lot of dogs or just somebody that decides they want to train a lot of dogs. The amount of time you spend at the line is super valuable. If you're on your, if you're on your third dog and you've trained them all to completion, that's cool. But somebody could get 10 times the experience in two months training 12 dogs. You know, it's just, it's unreal how, now I'm not saying you should go out and get 12 dogs until you're ready. You should, you should finish a few dogs first. Right. But that experience is super, super valuable where every day you're like, Hey, I got five different personalities out of my trailer today. And I ran through this drill with them and I I learned something from all of them and they all learned something and it it goes a, a long, long ways. Yeah. I have a, I have a kid that helps me some. Um, he's in high school and a really good kid and he's interested in dogs and he actually just got a puppy from him, the Vera litter. Um, mm. 
nice little pup and we're going to get her back in the spring and work with her. But he's interested. And, you know, he said, man, how can I do this? Like, how can I learn what you've learned? I said, buddy, you can, you can read all the information you want. You can get on Cornerstone. You can watch every video you want. Um, read water dog, go back, you know, take it old school. And there's, there's so many different options, but the sole best thing you can do, the, the best experience you can get is stand next to a, a dog, stand mm-hmm. next to as, as you can put a lead on a dog and yeah. just pay attention. Right. I mean, um, like you said, I've got six dogs out in the kennels now that are mine that I, that I own. And all six have different personalities. There's not one that's the same. Mm-hmm. Some are yeah. similar, right? But they're not the same, right? That's like, it's like somebody saying, and, and you'll appreciate this. Both my girls are, are they're four and one, right? So we, we're kind of living a hectic lifestyle and finally getting a little bit of sleep, but not as much as we like. But that's like saying, hey, you can parent both of them the same way and they're going to yeah, be no. fine. Right? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I've got... I've got one who is this tender-hearted and kind, and she. We always say she feels big, whether that's her mo- her emotions are big, right? Um, she's sweet, she's quiet, and I've got one that will punch you in the face. My younger one, just cause, just yeah. cause she feels right. <laughs> I mean, you can't parent those kids the same, no, right? Just it goes back to you can't train train every dog the same either. So yeah. I love that approach though. It's, it's why we, we really shot away with CGA from calling it like a systematic program. Like we didn't want to be a cookie cutter program. And I remember when we filmed the complete and then when Josh filmed Violet, we kept so much stuff in that was like, dang, this dog really screwed it up. (laughs) I remember specifically when I say that, I always think about doing water de cheating with Scarlet. (laughs) Yeah. I was there for some of that. Yeah. And yeah, you witnessed it. And being like, hey, um, can we start over? And yeah, no. Keith and Josh being like, we're going to edit you saying that out, but we're going to keep rolling the cameras. And I was like, dang, oh, like, here we go, man. My fresh, my blood pressure was high. Um, just, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's, uh, we wanted to show like, hey, every dog's different. Their, your responses yeah. are going to be different. And it's not always going to be perfect. And it's not yeah. always going to be same with parenting. Um, but no, that's, that's a good word. Uh, our friend Brady Foster, I did a, a, a podcast with him uh, a few months ago, and he has a post out there that's going like super viral right now where he talks about people asking him, and he does general dog training, obedience work. Right, right. And he has people ask him, you know, I want to get into this. What can I do? And his answer is really awesome. He said, go to your local animal shelter with a leash and spend as much time with those dogs as you possibly can for free. What an awesome experience. Like, Dang, man. Even gun dog trainers ought to do that. Just go get dogs and go work obedience. Just dogs for volunteer. Because uh, like you your, your time at the line, it's valuable. Yeah, and that's that's free and all it is is just time. Yeah. Right? That's, it that's is time. Yep. So so you, you mentioned Penn. Yeah. I don't, yeah. don't want to get too specific in, into dog. Where is Penn right now? Uh, Penn is retired with my in-laws. Sleeping that's right. Probably Sleeping in the middle of a king size bed. That's right. Her- yeah. Yeah. So for those who don't know it at Southern Oak, we we retire our females relatively early. Penn retired actually one litter too soon uh yeah. due to a health complication, which was super frustrating. Oh yeah. But yeah. um we 
we love to send them to retire. I get pictures every week of retired mama sleeping on the couch, eating Doritos, hanging out, hunting ducks, you know, doing the thing. Yeah, um, right. Pin Pin's produced a lot of, well, I say a lot. She's produced some very awesome pups yeah. uh, for us. And she was, I think we mentioned this the other day. I think she was the second ever field trial champion sire and field trial champion. Damn. I think Tilly was the first and she was the second. Um, yeah. Really and then, close. Same time. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Tilly Lizzie, her second or third. Anyway, uh, I can't remember if Lily would. It doesn't matter. Lizzie. I, don't, I remember if her mom was a winner or a champion. Carrick View Zena was her name. I know that. I just can't remember. doesn't matter. Penn was an awesome find. And uh, it was actually funny. I'll tell this. When we got Penn, we also got Libby. <laughs> and those are two, like, those are the first two imported females we had for Fox Ridge. Miles came down to my place in Oklahoma. It was summertime. We picked him up. Penn was, like, very, like, she was a little nervous to be, you know, it's a big trip. Scotland to here. She was like, I don't know these guys. They talk funny. But she was super sweet. She loved to retrieve. I took her out training one day, and I was like, you're going to love this dog. Like, I took a great picture of her. And I remember Miles was like, what about Libby? And I was like, you know, she's <laughs> she's pretty. Uh, and, dude, that dog, pretty. you want to talk to people. And people ask us all the time at Cornerstone, how late is it too late to train a dog? Well, I'm going to tell you guys, Miles has the answer. Uh, well, yeah. I say that. Her, Libby was... I don't want to go too far down that rabbit trail, but Ribby, Libby was like, what? How old was she? A year and a half? Uh, yeah, she's about 15 months, 16 months when we got her. Not right. quite a year. Uh, and right half. under a year and a half. I don't think she knew her name. Uh, if she did, she, I would not get the correct accent. She most definitely did not know how to sit. That dog picked up never, never a croc. She picked up a croc shoe at my house and ran off with it. And it was all we could do to get her to come back. I mean, just gone. It was think, insane. I don't think I said it out loud, but I was inside. I was like, what the heck am I getting into? <laughs> you, you drove off with so much anxiety <laughs> over having that dog. And look, she's a lot. She's a lot of dogs. She's very different than Penn. She has a ton yeah. of drive. And we've seen, look, right now, Cornerstone's running um, a post. We I just posted it, a reel of, um, wait, hold on. Is that a Libby or a Penn pup? Tom Foreman's pup. That might be a Penn pup. It's a pin pup. It's red and pin. Yeah. Which one's a Libby? We have another Libby pup that we've posted a lot about. I can't remember what dog it is. Tom Foreman's pup's a pin pup. Yeah. Uh, is it Dan Hruskus? No. Uh, no, that's a nice pup, but she's too young for us to have said a lot about her. Oh, I can't remember. I'll think of it and I'll mention it in just a minute because I know there's one oh. that we focused on. Mills. Which one? Mills Foster. Mills Foster. I just posted the other day. Yeah. So Mills fantastic guy if you're if you're on cornerstone social i just posted a little update on him and his dog and a hunting trip and he has a libby pup cedar libby hank libby golly that's crazy to think about yeah. a long time ago so <laughs> you have pen you have libby very very different dogs i want to yeah. focus on pen for just a second because she was <laughs> super sweet produced some i mean obviously she produced uh some she's pretty Incredible, yeah, some, pup. some great relationships because of those puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I don't even have time to get into all that. We we would be here yeah. for hours if we talked about all that because the the friendships that we have made. So what you just said produce a lot of relationships through those pups. So I'll go back to Angie, the mom of your pup. Okay, Doc, your first dog. 
Mm-hmm. Because of Angie, I met Keith and Josh Parvin. I ran her at a British Field Trial Society of America trial, which is a thing of the past, and won it with Angie. And Keith and Josh were there, and we started chatting. And they were like, we'd like to be friends with this guy. And we became buddies. And then they said, we want a puppy out of Angie, her very first litter with Earl. So they yeah. bought a puppy out of Angie and Earl. And then yeah. we just we just became buddies. So that's then, that org- organic relationship you're talking about. That's it. And then because of Angie, I sold a Prince Angie pup to both Alex Britton and Chase White. Through that, SOK Bracken Creek started. And then my friendship with Chase started long before he had foul planes, which is where I'm, 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 I'll be there next week, hunt, hanging out with them, at least in the frozen tundra. Uh, did a whole hunt with them this year. And so I could go on and on and on and on about the relationships through one dog. And then every dog we get to, there's a list. And through Penn, there, there are a lot. And like Tom Foreman's a great example because he's been to Salt Plains for the cornerstone hunt at Salt Plains, hunting with Brenton, who is one of the owners of Salt Plains, who has a red and pen pup that yeah. we delivered. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, little Susie, who's killing it. But that's where I yeah. wanted to get to. So yeah. one of our first, that might have been our first hunting trip together. We were friends a long time before we took a hunting trip together. We went out, and I'm reminded of it right now. So you know, this is going to come out probably this weekend. When this podcast comes out, it's going to be brutally cold, which we're going to talk about kind of to end things in a minute. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's not. It's 58 outside of my house. I'm in Mississippi. This is um, Thursday night. Friday is going to be decent. Friday night, we're getting down to 25. Saturday night, we're getting down to like seven. Mm -hmm. I'm in Mississippi, dude. It's a little wild. Sunday night was, they're saying zero. Mm -hmm. That does not happen here. So, um, you and I went out west. And we we didn't know the guy. Shout out to our friends at Salt Plains. You guys are awesome. I'll be with you next weekend. Um, We didn't know him. It was snowing. We go out there to deliver. And on that road trip, we delivered a ton of red and pen pups. Gosh, I think four total, four, maybe five. Jordan Wright, Wright's Barbecue. Shout out to that guy, uh, his pup. And Tom had already picked his up. And uh, oh, the guy Somebody in, in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, he's this cornerstone guy. I'll think of his name in a minute. Super nice guy. He met us at the feedlot in the snow, which is where I want to get to. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to chase this rabbit to the the actual destination, you know, and where I want to go is I think if I think about my trips with you and our hunting times together, there's one hunt that is my favorite hunt and it's yeah. the snowy day on the feedlot. Yeah. That's tough to beat. That's really tough to beat. So man, was that, I think that was our first hunt with those guys. Or yes. Was that the- first that was our yeah. first hunt with him, and we we took Red and Pen. He's in the same spot, and we had two completely different weather conditions. One, the first day was cold, snowing sideways, and we were hunting a, uh, we call it the feedlot, but it's it's a river system. It's the salt fork of the Arkansas River, and um, man, when I say river, it. At home, we call the we call what the size of that a creek. That's I mean, right. It, 
dude they, let's go hunt the river and you shovel like hey where's where's the river yeah <laughs> this is this is a creek that runs down the side of the road ankle deep water that is maybe 20 yards across that is you know and so we had pin and we had red which was pretty cool because that was the, the parents of the, the pup that brent was getting to this day that is the only time I can think of where someone received a puppy from us and simultaneously hunted with both of the parents. Yeah. And we shot, I've got the picture on my phone, but I got to look back, but in the snow, standing next to the trees, next to the, you know, the river. Um, I think we shot 35 or 40. Yeah. I'll use that picture as the the cover for this podcast for sure. What a day. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It just, it was the quality of it too, right? Sometimes, yeah. you know, you get into quantity and how many can we kill? How many can, but the, you're not going to be that quality on that. Yeah. Day. So the retrieves that, yeah. that to me. All right. So to paint you guys a picture, we are legal distance from a cattle feedlot where they finish off cattle. So it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, we got to fatten these cattle up to a certain weight. This feedlot at certain times of the year gets loaded with ducks. And some of you guys have seen this and maybe you haven't. It blew my mind. The first time I went there with Miles, there were there were ducks walking underneath cows. They're eating corn out of cow poop. And I saw a duck sitting on a cow's back. And I was like, what is happening here? You know, this is wild. And there's these lagoons, and you can't hunt the lagoons because technically that's you know, that's baited. You know, there's it's normal agricultural practices, but they're feeding the cattle. I mean, you can't, you know, that's that's a weird one. But Across the the way, bordering the property, is this river, which is very natural. And uh, they'd already talked to the game warden several times, like, "Hey," and they were like, "Yeah, you're you're all to go here." And so they eat over there. And then the, when the lagoons freeze, they have to drink in the river. And so I remember watching thousands of ducks completely ignore us and go to the feedlot. And then then it started. They're like, "All right, they're getting up. They're coming to drink." And this river is what you said it. 20 yards across I'm less than that that's 60 feet it's no it's like 40 feet across yeah maybe and ice chunks are floating down it ice chunks kept grabbing our decoys and taking them down the way it's flowing pretty good and may at the deepest part shin deep but the oh, yeah. bank the banks are what eight to ten feet tall yeah yeah I know where and, you're going and then the other side is uh, goat wire fence and then just cover huge cover mm-hmm. and pin who is very unassuming when you meet her has big drive i mean she goes hard um wants to please and red has arguably the best water entry of any dog i've ever seen and man i don't think they i mean they may have taken three steps getting across that river yeah. every time and the retrieves on the other side were what was special. It was like, all right, get the dog kind of lined up with the bird. You know which direction the wind is. Give it one last cast. And then you just have to wait and see what happens. You cannot see the dog anymore. And, uh, man, there were a lot of retrieves over there. It was fun. I, I tell uh, Noah Parson likes this comment that I, I say because he's heard me say it a couple of times. That last cast, after I give that cast and, and lose sight of the dog, I, I usually say verbally, okay, now go use what God gave you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> that's it. Which is fun, man. That's yeah. so much fun. See, and then the dog comes back for it and everyone claps and it's just like, yeah. golly, that's 
I, I would only, I mean, that is a reason I would continue hunting just that to see that right there. A dog pretty- doing what God, this God given abilities. That was a very fun hunt. Uh, I mean, pen was awesome. Red is actually red's the only dog I would say I've ever owned. That's a hundred percent of both the types of drives we talked about. And that's the first dog that came, came to example, he's got that extremely high drive, but he does have the extremely high desire to please too. I mean, there's, he's the one that I think maxes out both categories. Yeah. Yeah. The dog I have now that's most like that is Rio. He's a lot like that and they're related, um, but it's hard to find those dogs. Um, yeah. And they don't always replicate that as a breeder. It's tough. You oh, think, yeah. oh yeah, I love that dog. Where you know, I want one of his pups. Like, well, he doesn't really yeah. make himself, you know, or she doesn't make herself. And anyway, a lot more of that than. And I won't go too far down this hole, but I've gotten to train quite a few red puppies, right? Good and bad, um, mostly good, but never himself. The closest one I've had is actually Chevy. Mm. He's the closest. Yeah. To- he is, and I just saw. I was with him yesterday. Um, for those that don't know, um, Addison Edmonds, it's one of my best friends, Edmund, I'll get in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and his wife, Emily started Gunner Kennels and we developed a friendship long time ago and we've hunted together for years and years. And Addison was absolutely determined to have chocolate dogs only until he hunted with red. And he was like, I might have one like that. And I was like, okay, all right. little glimmer of hope here. Anyway. Uh, his dog Gunner, the namesake of Gunner Kennels, that I've spent a lot of time in, in the woods with and uh, the fields with, he passed away, and um, it was time for for another one. So he ended up um, finally convinced him to take a red and scarlet pup, and that puppy's name is Chevy. And man, you know, you have a pup that's going to your buddy that you hope is a phenomenal dog in all the ways. So you're super nervous, you know, is he going to turn out and whatnot? And I'll tell you what, that's one of the nicest dogs I've seen work in a very long time. And a lot of that credit, um, goes to miles because, uh, Addison's very busy. He has, you <laughs> want to talk about busy. Addison has four kids that are <laughs> within a four year span. And so, um, he is, uh, super, super busy. And, um, obviously needed some help with getting the training done. So miles took Chevy and ran him through all the training and hunt tests and whatnot. And now he's picking up ducks for Addison. And yeah, I think he's probably the most like his dad of, of yeah. anyone I've seen. I laugh. Addison and I talked today. He's actually, I think going to during this cold snap, try to get up here and hunt a little bit. He's only about an hour and a half from me. And we've got, I think we've got some good hunts lined up, but every time I find myself overwhelmed, or think, you know what, I've got so much going on. Somehow I get a text randomly or see something with Gunner or, you know, I've got two in the back of my truck and I'm like, you know what, Addison probably thinks this is child's play. That guy's yeah. busy. I mean, he really is. He he goes nonstop. Well, I mean, a prime example, he is one of the more diehard hunters I know. He loves yeah. hunting. <laughs> and this is the crazy part. This trip with you this past couple days was the first time he's hunted all season yeah he's busy it's because of life right and, and that goes back to it comes full circle to kind of what i was talking about the first few minutes of the podcast is he established his priorities and said you know what selfishly i'd, I'd love to hunt but yeah what's best for my family what's best for my business at, at this time is, is me staying around yeah so, that's a tough call to make and the right call to make 
Yeah, it is. It, it definitely I, shows. I, I don't don't like it because I was ready for Chevy to kind of <laughs> get out there and go go get some work. But you know, well, I, he he did awesome. Totally steady. Not a peep out of him. Marked birds well. Yeah. Um, Aaron Davis was there who does a lot of photography for us. And uh, it was funny because, and Addison won't mind me saying this, I actually just hung up with him before I called you. He's not a dog handler, right? He's a very much a dog guy. He hadn't trained many dogs. He doesn't know what he's doing. So he, he ran Chevy on a blind at our buddy Connor's place at Wild Wings, who also has a pen pup, cane pen. And <laughs> he ran Chevy on a blind and he, he needed to cast him and he kept saying, Hey, Hey, Chevy. Hey. And Aaron Davis finally goes, Hey dude, use the whistle. <laughs> and so he hit the whistle and Chevy's like, boop pops right around. Like, what do you need? Gave him the cast right to the bird dog performed flawlessly. Addison, I'll have him on here soon. He, he, uh, he, he, he needs help with the, the handling department. Um, and you're right about the hunting thing, dude. I don't know a single human being on this planet who gets more obsessed with killing stuff. And he hadn't been anywhere this year, but even in the woods, in the duck woods, like as soon as you start shooting, he's moving everywhere. He's got his gun loaded. At his, I mean, just like, he's like Elmer Fudd, dude. He's, he's absolutely determined that everything that comes near him is going to die when he's in the hunting environment, which I can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for dogs. Right. Yeah. I mean, great for the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen him shoot a limited doves walking through more stuff than I'm willing to walk through. I can tell you that. And he's, he's down for it. God love him, man. He's, he and I become pretty close and I, I enjoy our relationship, but yeah, self admittingly, he is far from a dog handler. Yeah. And, but you know, Chevy's Chevy is good for him because he kind of goes with the flow some too. You know, yeah, it's nice to have a dog like that. That's just pretty automatic. You know, it's going to be rare for him to mess something up. He's actually, I think, a little easier going than Red, but he very is. similar, very similar. Yeah. So, I like it. Well, yeah. we've gone a, a little, little over an hour. Uh, we could talk forever as we Man. we normally do. Um, that's a fast hour, isn't it? So everybody that's been on is like, hey, what are we going to talk about for? over an hour. I'm like, trust me, <laughs> it goes really quick. It feels like 10 minutes of chatting, um, yeah. goes by very quickly. So, uh, last thoughts from you, you know, for, for folks who are getting married or have a wife and about to have their first kid about to build a house. I mean, you're building a house right now. It's, it's going to be right. built, hopefully moving in April with kennels and all that. I mean, you're in the, in the thick of it and you've kind of been, You've been through a lot of the journey that I think a lot of the people I talk to aspire to, you know, balancing career. We've talked about that yeah. balancing family, kids, the most important thing, but also balancing, learning to become a better dog trainer, handling dogs, that sort of thing. I'd love to just hear a little bit of last minute words of wisdom, words of advice for folks who are wanting to take that journey, even if it's just with their one dog. Um, they don't have a ton of time for, for those folks who are wanting to, to kind of follow in, in similar footsteps on the journey of balancing work, dog, most importantly, family, new, yeah. new house, all the growth that happens. Yeah, man. I, I think first and foremost, I feel like in order for you to be successful at balancing that, balancing all those factors is you have to prioritize those factors. Right. And, and for me, um, 
my family comes first, right? And if it means, hey, I've got to shorten a training session because I need to make a soccer game, okay. Just we'll we'll do something later if we can, right? Um, but it's very doable. You know, like I said, I think training four to five days a week. You know, what I do, I start, we're talking about daylight savings. I I typically start getting client dogs when we spring forward. And I I usually start getting rid of dogs when we fall back solely because of time, right? I can get home at 4.30 and during the summer, I mean, it's not getting dark till 7.30 or 8. I've got plenty of time to have dinner with my girls and and go out for a couple hours and train dogs. And, um, but I think the main thing, for that to be successful is just setting your priorities, but also setting your expectations. Um, and that's not just the expectations of the dog, right? That's um, maybe listening to expectations from a wife, right? Which I've been good and bad at from times, mm-hmm. right? But but knowing expectations as a father to your kids, um, I think it's very doable. It takes it takes work and, and some diligence. Um, but, you know, I like to think I've been successful at it, um, but it hadn't been because I started off successful at it. Right. I think there are many times early on that I spent too much time with dogs, too much time with dogs and not enough time with my wife or Mm. the girls. And you start seeing, um, life change because of that, right? Mm. What? relationship or whether that's your work life or whatever it may be um so you know being reflective and looking back i think prioritizing those and knowing what's important the rest will fall in place it will i mean because you have a better attitude you're in a better headspace the dog training will come you just got to spend time with the dog right but again not at the expense of family or work Mm. So, um, I don't know if that's what you're looking for. And I could, I could probably talk, I could probably talk a long time on that alone because I still, I still try to get better at it. There are days that I'm like, man, I, I didn't see my girls as much today as I needed to. Or there are days where I say, Hey, look, I really should have spent some more time with the dogs. Right. But, um, in the end, I think it really balances out how it should. So that's exactly what I was looking for. And, you know, as somebody who came into this through Southern Oak Kennels and bought a dog from us and then became friends through that, you know, and then honestly learned, you know, a lot of things through us, through Cornerstone, all that stuff. Truly, you're one of the few people that I really look up to in that regard. And that's funny because it's flipped, you know, we we sort of pulled you into all this and then you became a guy. I was like, man, miles, miles gets a lot of things. Right. And friend to friend, I appreciate it about you, uh, that about you very much. And uh, we'll commend people to that all the time. When I send a few people, you don't train a ton of client dogs, but I send people your way. I'm like, Hey, look, you're going to love this guy. He'll, he'll take care of you and uh, prioritize all the right things and do it in a way that you can, uh, you can truly respect how he does it. Well, I appreciate that, man. You, your friendship's valued to me, but I, you said, you know, I've done a lot of things right and I, I appreciate it. And, but like I said before, that's at the expense of doing some things wrong too and learning from it. Right. So that's, that's the best way to learn, um, dog training or in life or however you want to look at it. Right. You, you got to mess up a little bit to, to yeah. get it right. But 
I want to, I do want to say something as far as, um, training, you know, I, I don't want people to think that I'm training 10, 12, 15, 20 dogs, you know, doing what I do. I don't think that's, I don't think that is realistic. I don't think you can do that. I don't think it's fair to your family. I don't think it's fair to the dog or the client or yourself. Um, I set a pretty, you know, when you and I talked about me coming on, I set a pretty strong precedence. Hey, I'll train maybe three to four client dogs at a time, you know, and typically those are on like four month stints, give or take. Right. So through a year, I'll train six to eight client dogs, mm-hmm. not, not including my, you know, five or six at home that I have. So, um, I think you have to be realistic too, right? There's, I don't know what, how many dogs it is until you should, should stop your day job and go full time. Right. I'd know, I don't want to get to that point for a long time, maybe ever. Um, because right now to me, dog training is still my getaway, mm. you know, work dogs. I mean, I, Taylor laughed the other day. I came home from, from a pretty rough day at work, you know, long day and, and had some needy patients and things like that. But she said, are you good? We call you back commute 30 minutes. So we talk on the way home and she said, yeah, I said, yeah. I said, I just need, when I get home, give me about 10 minutes with the dogs. Mm. And she's like, I get it. Take your time. And I went, I mean, didn't do anything with them. Just spent some time with them. I took them on a walk and, that they still allow me to kind of clear my headspace a little bit. And and to me, it's still, it's still fun. It doesn't feel like work. Right. And mm. I think when it, and, and that's for my mindset, that's, that's my getaway, right. That's, that's my time away, my, my me time. And man, I really enjoy it. And it's just a little hobby that I've turned into something I can make a little money at from time to time, but I feel like I spend, spend it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, no. It, it, uh, well, hobby that probably pays for another hobby. Shooting yeah, dogs is expensive. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not a break even, but you know what? I, I wouldn't trade it. And it's, it's been, it's been a fun journey and a fun ride. And man, I, I, one of the best things to come out of this, not to get cheesy or corny, but you and I've talked about it a lot, but it's our friendship. I mean, just like you said, you look up to me, man. I, I, I told this to somebody the other day and I mean it. And I'd say it in front of you and I'd say it behind your back, but, um, from a family perspective, I mean, you're somebody I look up to significantly. Uh, I think you are one of the better dads that I know. And I think anybody that kind of sees, you know, social media can be a good thing. Right. Um, but I think when people see social media stuff, they can be a little judgmental saying, Oh, it can't be, he, you know, he's just doing that to show that he's actually involved or whatever it may be like trying to be something he's not. I can tell you this, that you are one of the more most involved. You are the most involved dad that I've ever met. And well, I appreciate that. It, and that may be to the expense of some dogs. Right. But I think, <laughs> I, I think your priorities in this stage of life are right where they need to be. You know, well, your kids I, are, yeah, are awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I that, so but yeah, no, that's probably- it's not always the easy choice, but it's always the good choice. And as you said at the very beginning, it's the best job, best job I ever had. It and is. My I kids will like- throw marks for me now. I, I will say that if I say, yeah. "Hey, look." And when I left the house a while ago, I, I have a puppy that I kept out of out of uh, Moose and Wella named Honey. You'll see yeah. a lot of her cornerstone unless something crazy happens and she winds up not as awesome as she is right now. But um, yeah, when I left, I was like, "Hey, I, I mean, look, dude, I spent." Not to be cheesy again, but I spent like an hour wrestling with my kids. I got my right eye nearly poked out. Uh, 
just going wild. And then I watch these, they, my kids love to watch these streamer YouTube shows like do perfect and stuff like that. And I wasted 30 minutes of my life on that. And then I put two of them to bed. Then I came over here. And when I left, the oldest one was sitting there and I was like, Hey, in exchange for all this, you have to let honey out. <laughs> it's cold. I was like, it's not that cold. You got to let her out. You know, mine are at that age now where I can depend on them a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Good That's times. Awesome. All right. Well, for everybody listening, um, don't take your wife's key fobs when you travel anywhere you're going. Make sure she has a way to drive her car and uh, you do your best to cover the details to prevent as many first world problems as you can. Because uh, those are usually communication. Yeah. <laughs> it's key. Don't get me started. Um, yeah, look, if you guys want to keep up with Miles, SOK Fox Ridge. Um, he doesn't post all the time, but he posts some great stuff on there. You can message him. You can chat with him. Um, he's not on Facebook. He's taking a break from Facebook, which is super smart. I need to do that. I just have a couple companies to help run on social media. I wish I could take a break from the book of face. Um, but I promise you, you're not missing a whole lot on there. But he is on uh, on social, and you'll see him on on my social channels. And if you're a cornerstone guy that's got a pup from miles, show him a little love. There's a lot of you. I mean, almost every pup I know of that's come from Fox Ridge is, is a cornerstone dog. So that's pretty cool too. And I uh, appreciate you. And hopefully I don't think you're going out West, but I'm, I'm headed out to our friends. I'm headed out this weekend to what will be probably the coldest temperatures I think I've ever hunted in. Uh, I don't even have time to get into it. I've already released a cornerstone email about it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're going out that way or not, but I will be there. I'll tell everybody, hey, if you're not there. Well, I appreciate it, man. I think uh, I don't know if I'll make this go around because of the priorities we talked about earlier, but um, you should kill the heck out of them. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Should. You should. We'll see. Hope. Well, hope thank you guys so much for uh, joining in with us, listening to us ramble about dogs and life and all that. And I uh, hope you guys are having an awesome start to 2024. And we'll catch you next time uh, on the next episode of The Lab. You guys have a great one. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs>